Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal for a special weekend bonus edition. And Bill, I got to tell you, my current paradigm for this election is comes as a South Carolina Gamecock fan who watched his team last night yet again, third SEC game in a row, go into the fourth quarter with a two-touchdown lead and still lose. And I've talked to so many Republicans who say that, oh my gosh, we're going to do it again. We're going to snatch def- defeat from the jaws of victory. Well, I'm watching it as a Harvard fan, of course, Harvard Crimson fan, undefeated in the Ivies. They kept that up yesterday against the Dartmouth. So I figure I've been bullish, uncharacteristically bullish on Republican prospects this November for about, what, two months. And I'm going to stick there here at the end and, and say Republicans will win the Senate. I think with a pretty comfortable margin, they could get up to something like a t- plus 10, picking up 10 Senate seats. Um, I do think there is a bit of a late break, and it's going in a Republican direction in, in most of the states. So, you just said that there's a chance that Republicans could pick up 10 seats. And yet, when I talk to uh, kind of average you know, voters who read the Weekly Standard and follow, you know, follow the polls at Real Clear Politics, they're telling me, oh my gosh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to do it, if it's going to have, have to come down to Georgia for the runoff in January. Uh, why? I, I think it's pure emotion, Bill, but I think it does come from having watched Republicans really you know, blow their chances in the past. Why should people feel a little more bullish as you do this year? Well, I mean, look, it, it could be that I'm wrong, and these are all slight margins, and it could be that at the end the Democratic turnout game works, uh, they, they, the emotional appeals work at the end, the Republican turnout thinks a little bit, that's happened in recent elections, and the Democrats win those close races. I have the feel in an off-year election dominated by uh, desire for repudiating President Obama and the Senate Democratic majority uh, with issues like Obamacare, still so much more powerful than people think immigration I think more powerful than people think, and a general sense that Obama's governance is not working very well. I kind of think a late break goes to Republican, but obviously it's, if you've got a race where a Republican is, let's say, ahead by a point or behind by a point, and you get two points of movement in the last day, it makes a big difference whether you have a kind of reversion to uh, Democratic, uh, a little bit of a, a move back towards the Democrats, which could happen, uh, or a continuation of the move to the Republicans. I, I have the sense, I have the feeling that we're moving in a Republican direction, that's usually what happens in an off year. The kind of primary trend reasserts itself. The primary trend this year is against Obama. I don't think Republicans can take any great solace in this. I mean, obviously, it's better to win than lose, but uh, it's been a negative referendum on President Obama and his policies. The task for ahead for Republicans, and you and I have discussed this many times, is very different, which is to really articulate a governing agenda for the country. But the negative agenda is sometimes enough for the for the off year. And uh, uh, I've seen several... Uh uh, pieces premised around the idea that this is a year of rejection. And I just, watching these races, whether it's uh, New Hampshire with Scott Brown and Gene Shaheen or Georgia with Michelle Nunn and David Perdue, the people who want to reject, reject where we've been with President Obama and the Democratic leadership seem a lot more motivated than the people who want to come out and remind Republicans that they still don't like them. And so that's my one piece of solace. But man, I just... I, I have nightmares of Charlie Brown and Lucy, Bill. I, don't, I can't get yeah, them well, out of my well, head. Believe me, I'm with you on that. Republicans have uh, blown many opportunities, and, and in a couple of individual states, it looks like they might still blow them. Kansas, most obviously, that's the one. When I talk to Republican strategists around the country, that's the one they're most concerned they're going to lose if they should have won. Um, but so it could be, it could be, uh, there could be some disappointments on election night too. And usually there are one or two states that go against the grain, and so nothing ever goes all in one direction. But 
Um, well, I mean, I you know, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. But, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there are a couple of bellwethers that I'm looking at, or indicators, I should say, that I'm looking at. One is what happened in uh, Iowa overnight. The Des Moines Register poll is usually a pretty respected, solid poll, and this huge burst for Joni Ernst at the end. And the other is the fact that Democrats are willing to do what Mary Landrew has done, what's happening in North Carolina, in Georgia, where the state party sent out a very racist, if you don't vote for Democrats, white people will kill black teens in the streets. And I wish I could say I was exaggerating, but I'm not. Uh, and that tells me that they must be seeing numbers that show they're in real trouble because I just can't imagine a party that wants to be a national party doing so much to, in essence, say to a large group of voters, white voters south of Kentucky, you're a bunch of racist sexists. Yeah, desperation is usually not a winning strategy, though, you know, occasionally a desperate move pays off in football or in, or, or in politics. I do think it's what we were talking before, the mainstream media narrative. It's an election of rejection. It's an election of negativity. There's some truth to that. Most of your elections are a referendum on the incumbent party. And if, if the people don't like the incumbent party, you can say, well, that's negativity. Another way, but, but it's a little unfair. I mean, it's not as if in 2008, uh, the, the, when Obama won, it was all hope and change. Why wasn't that just a negative referendum on Bush and Republicans? It really was, actually, if you look at voters' motivations. They thought the country was going in the wrong direction, especially after the financial crisis and they voted for the other party so there's a little bit of media spin in all this negativity talk and i don't think republicans should just accept that they should say look it was an actual referendum on a bunch of policies and on the reality that these policies aren't working it wasn't a sort of theoretical forward-looking referendum on do you like the idea of obamacare it was how do you like obamacare three or four years later how do you like obama's foreign policy three or four years later how do you like his immigration policy, which is partly implemented by executive order? And now we've seen what happens at the southern border and so forth. So I, I think Republicans need to say it, it has been a substantive election. Now, it's also fair to say that, as you and I have discussed many times, that Republicans have mostly made the critique of Obama's liberal policies, not the forward-looking positive conservative agenda. That is key for a presidential election, especially an open seat one in 2016, when Obviously, it's not enough to say Obama was bad. You then have to say what you're going to do is good and how it's going to work. So, but I think it's been a pretty substantive election, in the sense, and I don't think we should make it just about Obama. I don't think we should say it's just about Obama. It is about liberalism. I mean, it's not just him personally and his, you know, the fact that he has, isn't very good at running the White House or the executive branch. It is about these policies he put in place were touted as policies that were going to improve the safety of the world, improve our health care system, improve our economy, and I think it's pretty clear they haven't. And I think an interesting uh, example of that is immigration policy, where the president has you know, been very aggressive on uh, you know, uh, making it sound like if you can get to America, you're going to be able to stay no matter what. And his critics have said, if you keep saying that, people are going to come. And the White House rejected that. And then, of course, this summer, we had this huge surge of people showing up, asking to get caught so they could stay. It really was kind of an example, and yet I, I still see, Bill, that Republicans, some Republicans around the country are very hesitant to talk about the immigration issue, and that's what, make, to me, makes uh, Colorado so fascinating right now. No, I very much agree that that was a real kind of aha moment, where there was like a test case, and everyone in the media was deriding Republican statements, and look, if you talk so much about amnesty, and you, in fact, you offer forms of amnesty, amnesty you're going to get a whole flood of people coming to the border and across the border. And it turns out those conservative warnings were correct. Um, I do think Republicans uh, need to sustain the argument on immigration and come up. Obviously, they've got their own proposals for border security. 
and really need to advance those early in the new Congress, but get out of the game of doing comprehensive immigration reform. One very interesting question about the next week or two if Republicans win Congress in both houses is whether the president goes ahead with a pretty big executive order on amnesty. I mean, that would be pretty startling, I would say. And I've talked to some sort of old-fashioned Democrats, Clinton Democrats, who think, well, he can't do that. He's got to try to reach out to the Republicans and see if he can craft a deal, at least pretend to try to work out a deal before he sort of sticks a finger in their eye. But that's not the Obama style. And I think, think about this, what if he loses badly on Tuesday night and Thursday announces a four million person uh, amnesty in effect with work ports and so forth for people who are already here? And what will the reaction be among Republicans and conservatives? I think it'll be pretty startling. And, and we could be in, you know, normally after the election, you get a couple of months of where partisan passions cool down, but they could really be to a new boil pretty quickly, I think. And uh, the uh, argument from Democrats is the president should do exactly that because immigration is such a loser image for uh, issue for Republicans. It's crippling their, you know, them for a generation with uh, with uh, Hispanic voters. But as I mentioned, in Colorado, we see something very interesting going on. Well, in Colorado and elsewhere, Gardner seems to be doing well among among Hispanic voters, and he's been more moderate on immigration than, than a lot of Republicans. The contrast with Tom Tancredo and some of the other Republicans in Colorado who had a harsher anti-immigration message. Still, I mean, the bottom line on it is nationally, it looks like Republicans will do 10, 15 points better among Hispanics than they did in 2012. What was the message from the Republican elites right after the 2012 election? You've got to give in on immigration. You've got to accept the Senate gang of eight bill. You can't fight on immigration. The House Republicans, to their credit, in my opinion, fought on immigration, and now Republicans are going to do better in 2014 among Hispanics. Hispanics are not one-issue voters. Uh, I think they very much respond to an economic opportunity message. Uh, Republicans need to work on that over the next two years and on a sensible immigration message, but they do not. I think this has been a good test where adopting liberal policies, giving in to the media narrative uh, would not have worked for Republicans, and they deserve a lot of credit, the ones who stood up against that over the last two years. And then you look at some competitive races that weren't supposed to be competitive in Arizona and New Mexico. And uh, then you look at New Hampshire, where Scott Brown's been able to use immigration as a very strong uh, message against Gene Shaheen. And across the board, you see that there's uh, that this notion that you're just going to lose outright. You're not even going to get a hearing from you know any Hispanic voters because you don't support amnesty is proven not to be true. The question is, can Republicans build on that by hammering away on the we support legal immigration? angle and then like you said talk about the other issues like uh, the economy growth people who work for a living and uh, draw those voters I mean and I think an analogy to that is Obamacare the media narrative has been oh that issue's stale it's they got to just roll over and accept Obamacare maybe you could tweak it a little um, Republican voters don't seem to think that Joni you're in that Des Moines Register poll that has earned sub seven 30% of people saying they're going to vote for Ernst say Obamacare is their top issue it's the number one issue for Jody Ernst supporters. So the public really wants, I think, the repeal of Obamacare, and of course you need to have a replacement, and that is a huge task in the next two years. Like you could, this year the Republicans could get away with just being anti-Obamacare, obviously when you're running for president in 2016, and even to some degree when you control both houses of Congress in 2015, you have to lay out your alternatives. Obviously there's been a lot of work done on that, and think tanks, and uh, articulated in magazines like the Weekly Sanders and others, uh, we need the politicians to step up. And so by 2016, Republicans can say not just that they're against Obamacare, 
that they're for a better conservative alternative. Well, this is a special edition, a weekend edition of the Weekly Standard Podcast. We're actually going to have Bill back tomorrow for another election eve, and that's when we're really going to stick you with the numbers, Bill. We're going to make you go through race by race so that afterwards that right? we'll see. I might, I might just have to get very busy tomorrow. You know, because, <laughs> uh, that's a little risky to do that. Be, I, have, I, gather, I gather these things are like on tape, and somehow they exactly. preserve. People can go look at them 48 hours later. Well, I have very bad news. 48 but, uh, hours my, later, that's bad. My, my producer, Edward Snowden, We'll make sure that we get you on audio. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.